Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio and on sbnationradio.com, where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Every now and again, things pop up in this business. And this business is just talking about what you talk about, what we all talk about on the day-to-day, and that's sports reacting to it. Of course, we have the freedom, and grateful and thankful for that, because not every platform does, to go on tangents and talk about a bunch of different stuff, wacky stuff. Just listen to the promos throughout the network. They're awesome, and you can hear things completely different from the world of sports, or just kind of taken away a little bit down a different path. So every now and again, stuff pops up that is centered and related to sports. And I don't mean stats or something from you know, 20 years ago. I just mean something current that's going on. So I'll give you a perfect example if you're asking yourself, what in the world is Shander talking about right now? Ryan Leaf. I had no idea that Ryan Leaf was an analyst for ESPN. Now, he might be doing games for the last five years. I, I don't know. Did you, First off, Andrew, did you know that Ryan Leaf, the Ryan Leaf, I don't think there is another Ryan Leaf, so I can't confuse him. It's not like Ryan Day. No, 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 that, that's the coach for Ohio State. Oh, okay, it's a different guy. He played for Michigan in 1963. This is Ryan Leaf. Did you know he was calling games for ESPN? I had no clue. Okay, so now I feel a lot better because I feel like you would be much more in tune with something like this than me so that if you were to say, look, man, like you gave me the confidence to drink that water, which I chugged, mind you, you'd be like, look, guy, this is, this is something that's been going on for five years. Ryan Leaf has been calling games for the last five. Where the hell you been? Because, you know, we have a working relationship right now where I trust you would say that nearly verbatim if, in fact, I was wrong. But you've never even heard of this like I haven't heard of this, right? No, I, I've heard nothing of Ryan Leaf. How, I wonder if he's good. You're usually the guys that's, that are not good on the field, marginal at best, turn into some pretty good announcers. Now, coach is usually better than that, but I wouldn't want Ryan Day coaching a bunch of degenerates. That Shander show is how you get... That's not fair. That's not right. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, think about this. If you want to look at just sports that you may know somebody who knows way more than you about, or you get a hot tip, and it happens, on a cricket match or a high-lie match, and high-lie is as rigged as the WWE would be. So you shouldn't be too shocked on that if you lose, or even win, for that matter. But I know somebody who, and I didn't have time to really talk about it because it was in passing, and he knows what I do and knows that there is a lot of talk 
about the NFL, college football, the regular stuff, and never, ever, because it's irresponsible. I mean, it would be irresponsible to you out there, the audience, for me to bring up a cricket match, even to give you a suggestion to bet on. First off, because I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, and that's the disservice to you, the audience. And also, it would be more of a break to me and it would be more of a knock to me as far as anything I'd want to talk about from a betting standpoint moving forward. Forget just talking about sports and tuning out being like, why the hell is this guy trying to break down a cricket match from a betting standpoint? But getting blown out the water and talking about something that you would bet on just as a joke or, oh, well, I blindly throw a dart on the dartboard, happen to land on cricket. People would be like, all right, he's given us a Celtics line two weeks from now, but this is the same idiot who just randomly brought up a cricket bet and said, go ahead and take it. I bring it up real quick because I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with the sport. I am not clearly familiar with the sport. However, in passing, in one of these holiday gathering get-togethers, it was, hey, I got a tip. Noah got This is somebody from England telling me to play a two-game parlay in a cricket match, and I'll spare you the details here. But my question is, how long does this thing go? I put this bet in two days ago, and the first leg of the parlay is still going on right now. It's a, Is this like a three? Am I doing a best of seven or something like that? Again, I have no idea, and we're not going to expound on this anymore, but I'm curious... For the people out there listening who want to respond on Twitter at Shander Show or on the Twitch channel Maze and Eights on where it's been active all night, I put this two-leg parlay in on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. And I thought that it was supposed to start Christmas Eve, Tuesday morning at 3 a.m. Eastern time. And instead, this thing between England and South Africa, that's the first leg of the parlay. This thing's been going on for three, four days. And I just don't know at, at what point is it either going to be over or is it like an error on the app that I used? I have no idea how long these things go. I thought a cricket match would be like most matches where it's like, hey, you went out there, you played, it's over, you move on. Maybe it's a best of seven or a best of five. I, I, I don't know, or nine. Who the hell knows? But this thing is taking abnormally long. And I'm looking and I'm looking. And here's how I know that there's some progress made because – all of these apps have cash outs, the ability to look and cut your losses or maybe get ahead and say, ah, I'm, I'm kind of ahead right now in the game. I don't really trust that I'll finish ahead. Let me cash out and make 20, 30, 40 bucks, depending on how much you bet. The cash out went up. So clearly there was some action and the bet that I put in for South Africa was paying off to some extent because they were beating England to some level or some extent that the cash out would go up. I don't know. It's it's beyond my level of comprehension. We talked about, before we got out last hour, this ball is life tweet about how John Stockton's career assistant steals record will never be broken. And Chris Paul is the next guy up who's active to try and break that, and to credit Stockton, Paul's nowhere close. Now, it doesn't take anything away from who Chris Paul is as a basketball player and his legacy. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But somebody responds to the tweet, and this is what I thought was fascinating in the break, and I'm just curious. We can look at this real quick. We'll get to an update with the Seattle Seahawks coming up 
in 23 minutes. Before that, there is some news coming out right here in Philadelphia that I'll have to expand upon. But the question is simple, and it comes from at three underscore cone. What do you think is the most unbreakable record in basketball? And I'll just give you the four. It's not open-ended, but you have four, right? The first is Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. The second, the Golden State Warriors winning 73 games. The third, LeBron James making eight straight NBA Finals. The fourth, Bill Russell winning 11 rings in the NBA. Now just sit back and take a second here. Because all of these have some level of discussion that you can apply back and forth to. All of them do. I'm not saying that all of them are breakable, but what I am saying is you can definitely apply some logic and reason to this conversation and peel away the obvious dismissal of, nobody's ever going to get 100, or nobody's ever going to get 11, and start to look at this thing and where we are in the NBA. And to give you an example of how the NBA has changed, and change can always be for better or worse, depending on the relative situation that you find yourself in. But the nature of the NBA from rules to approach has changed to where, and I'm just going to steal the point you made, Andrew, in the break talking about how Stockton's records won't be broken, and a lot of that will have to do with load management. Just the nature of the NBA now, right, in which you have teams sitting guys just to get them ready for the playoffs, which will take a hit in any regular season and career records. That and it's, right? Oh, absolutely. Nobody's playing 82 games, or I won't say nobody, but almost nobody in the NBA, especially someone who's a star-level player that you would think would be theoretically capable of putting up the numbers to, in the long run, break Stockton's record. Nobody's playing. They're not going to play enough games to do so. And I think that, in its own right, begs the question. Is the NBA, through coaches and front office, is the NBA, not the league, not Adam Silver or whoever the next commissioner will be and the commissioner after that, but are coaches, front office, teams sending us a message, maybe even subliminally, and I don't know if it's meant to be received, it's just as a result or coincidentally, maybe that's a more comforting term for people out there, in which it is all about the championship. And all the talk that we got from players speak and coach speak about, you know, one game at a time down to, well, these records don't mean anything, et cetera, et cetera. Teams are doing this. The NBA is not mandating load management. It's coming from the teams themselves. All right, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm just saying as far as things change. At Shander shows how you get me the Twitch channels up. Maze and Aton, 20 minutes from now, we'll go out to Seattle Get the latest on a team that is depleted. However, they've got the biggest storyline in the NFL right now in Marshawn Lynch. Before that, we'll give you the latest on a key player that's out for the Philadelphia Eagles. Zach Ertz will not be in for the New York Giants game on Sunday. And I'll tell you right here in Philadelphia how that impacts this football game. But let's think about these four records real quick. Wilt Chamberlain, 100. 73 wins. Eight straight NBA Finals. 11-time NBA champion. 73 wins. I'm trying to think of where I want to attack this thing first, right? It's like a major dessert that you get that's built up, a six, seven-layer cake 
and you're thinking, all right, where do I want to attack this thing first? You get the fork and knife because you're not going to eat it with your hands. Where is there a is there another place, Andrew, that you think we should approach this, or is it the seventy three? Are you okay with starting there? I'm okay with starting there because I think that's the weakest link in the Me chain. Me too. Me too. Just because seventy four and eight is like there's not that much difference. If you got one more player on the Lakers or Clippers, are we really or to this matter? If you got one more player, let's say with the Sixers or the Bucks, if you got one player like that to add on, and maybe you don't even need it so much as if, now you have parity right now, but we're just talking about breaking it. And you know that this, what, okay, let me start over, because now it, it, just erase what you heard me try to stumble through this point. I understand what I'm saying now. Why would the super team die? Why in a league that is governed and legislated by players, their agents, and their shoe companies before the NBA and the owners. Why would they give in and no longer look at super teams from three to four guys? So it stands to reason that what was built in Golden State will be built again. Maybe not to the level in which you'll see a guy like Durant next to Steph, but you're going to see three, four all-stars all in the same year couple of all nba guys playing together is that fair 100 percent fair okay this one and look you're you're still the judge here so just want to make sure that we're good there all right next huh 11 time nba champion versus eight straight nba finals i think i'm gonna have an easier time hmm. out loud i think i'm gonna have an easier time saying that eight straight NBA Finals is going to be easier because player movement is a real thing, right? I agree. So, okay. Yeah. And and all we're really – you know, Kendrick Perkins could make the NBA Finals six straight times, right? Now, again, we're LeBron-led teams, and we're talking about a top two at worst player in those eight straight NBA Finals. But you understand what I'm saying, right? The movement and the fact that – Kawhi, for example, could make another one and then move again in three years. All these things could happen where even if you have a streak of six straight, you could move to another team and make two straight there. That that stands to reason, actually. Now, nine straight NBA Finals would be a hell of a record. Not to say that these other three wouldn't, but that's all. That's we're getting to the point now, Andrew, where it is getting difficult to conceive that. Right. But nine straight NBA Finals, based on movement can do it all right we've got time really quick on one i'm going to save bill russell mention zach Ertz before that bill russell then we'll go out to seattle so a very ambitious we haven't even done the picks man my goodness this is what happens see welcome to my world with brendan as well now you understand why i frustrate the hell out of him because we have all these things that we tease on twitter hey what do you want to get to this hour i'll get to abc and we don't even get to that we get the def we haven't even gotten some stuff that we tweeted for hour one you understand like that that's how and it's not off the rails it's not like we've been talking about cooking recipes or when to apply seasoning on your chicken it's not like we're doing any crazy stuff like that i'll just say this before we break and i will squeeze in two things all right the Zach Ertz and six-pack of picks will go out to Seattle. The one that is truly unbreakable is Bill Russell. That, that's where I'll leave it. Would you like to add any? I think that we could get James Harden, for example, to get 100. I wouldn't be shocked if James Harden hit 
100 points, would you? As opposed to somebody winning 12 NBA championships? I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think anyone's getting anywhere close to where Bill Russell finished his career. I agree. That in its own right, for a guy who was active in all of that, at Shander Show, how you get me on Twitter, Twitch channels buzzing, Maze and Aton, we'll get to that, and some cricket response as well. It's amazing what you put out, and you can get a response to on SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Zach Ertz is out for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you're probably wondering, at least from a betting standpoint, how does that impact the line? How does that impact maybe how you should look at this game? Or just from a, I'm stuck in a market that's got this game on. I don't have the package. I don't have the red zone. So I'm here bound to this TV watching this game. Anywhere in between, I'll give you a couple of nuggets or at least what I believe to be about the Philadelphia Eagles. And the tease is that I don't think you should be nearly as concerned as it will be made out to be. Not necessarily for Zach Ertz's health, but for Zach Ertz's absence in this game. Six-pack of picks, skunk picks, if you will, have been flowing throughout the year. 51 and 45, although technically we can add uh, a couple. This is 51 and, and 45 coming into tonight. So right now it's actually 51 and 46 as we lost that USC game. But other than that, we are decent for this season. And again, you know, over 50%, but barely not really where we want to be, but at 51 and 46, you've got another round of this and it starts with Clemson Ohio State and uh, I know I said this earlier as far as from a fan standpoint, but when it actually comes to money, I'm concerned about Fields knee not being 100% and the fact that Clemson the narrative of they don't play anybody, they don't play anybody uh, they played teams in this round and the next round, and they've won. So this is not a team that hasn't done it yet in order to prove something. It's a tight line, but Clemson beating Ohio State by a field goal is a very realistic scenario for me, and yet Chase Young terrorizes up front. Don't get me wrong, there's not a loss. It's not all hopes are gone if Fields' knee is at 80%, but that is a big factor to look at. Now, we've done this before, right, where I'll say it and get your reaction to it. You don't have to play it. You can abstain as well, or you can go against. So your thoughts on that? Oh, man. Um, Honestly, I don't know where to go with that one, man. I really, really don't. Would you take the points just because you're getting them with Ohio State? Although that knee, field's knee, man. It's it's such a tough one, this one, but... I think that your sentiment earlier on in the show is my overriding sentiment as well, where with everything we've seen from this Ohio State team this year, if you're giving them points, I almost feel obligated to take those points. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Virginia Tech minus two and a half against Kentucky. Kentucky is just god-awful, and they're in some major turmoil as well. So this is definitely more of a fade of Kentucky. If you have no thoughts on this game, I completely understand. 
Yeah, I'm going to abstain from this one. <laughs> very fair. Very fair. Fighting Herms are up to a four-point favorite, but I still like Arizona State minus four. You're already giving the hook at three and a half, but at minus four where it closed or looks to close, then I, I still like Arizona State. And again, it's more a look at Florida State and some internal turmoil. We've seen a head coach gone. We see some change coming internally from the system as well. Kids are there, and it's not always the case that we see with Florida Atlantic and a guy like Lane Kiffin moving on, and it was actually better. I don't know if there's a sense of relief right now for Florida State. I think it's more about just get to the end of the season and see who moves on and see what happens and and get a complete balanced staff in, if you will. So I'm going to take advantage of that and take Herm Edwards. I don't need them to win by a ton, but I think even at four, I can get Arizona State and feel okay about it. I agree. And on top of that, I I know trends can be dangerous sometimes, but if you look at some of the Blue Bloods that are in like these lower-level bowl games, it just doesn't usually pan out well for them because they just don't really care nearly as much as these teams that they're going up against. Interesting. Interesting. All right. I like that. I like that. Not only because it helps, but that's a nice next level stat there. Next Navy, Kansas state overs at 52, 52 and a half. It depends on where you get it, where you look at two teams that love to score points, both averaging over 30 points per game. I'll leave it at that. Michigan, Alabama, Alabama is going to kick Michigan's ass. Alabama is going to kick anybody in front of them. Nick Saban is not going to go into the offseason with three months of just stewing on losses, including one in the ball. Nick Saban, would Bill Belichick, if put in this position, if there were a third-place game, do you think Bill Belichick would just tap out? No, he'd probably find a way to institute a new form of cheating or end around the rules or something and humiliate the squad. Saban's going to do just that. And then Oregon, plus three versus Wisconsin. Like the offense, like the uh, this is a total, this is an over as well if you really want to stretch it. But I think Oregon plus three, Wisconsin is not necessarily due for a letdown by any means, but I don't know if they're going to finish as strong as people think. It's not because they don't have the talent. I just think it's the circumstances around why they're there versus Oregon, who has a lot of momentum, if you will, coming from a miserable conference and trying to finish this out and continue to add validity to what they've done as well as the Pac-12, if you can even do that. No, I like that last one a lot. Okay, good. Oregon plus three. Again, you're getting a field goal there. You'd like the hook, but at this point, I love it. As, a pay, as opposed to two and a half, in which I actually might, might, although you're getting points, stay away. Mention Zach Ertz. Here's the quick thing. We'll go out to Seattle coming up next. Dallas Goddard has not jumped off the screen by any means. And Dallas Goddard has had a couple of key moments in which he's frustrated and one in which he's cost this team a chance to win, not lost the game. There's a difference but cost them a chance to win. When you drop a football wide open in the end zone, that's the go-ahead touchdown, that's costing your team a chance to win. You're not the reason why they lost. There are about 40 reasons why they were even in that position where they needed that play. He's had some fumbles. He's had some drops. It's not been great when you look at just the negative. 
But, and here comes the but or the however or the, well, and that's why you throw this in there. When you just look at what he's amassed and done as the number two tight end, where Zach Ertz has been a target machine, may not a stat machine like we've seen, but at least a target machine, and he's not having a bad year by any means. Goddard is having a sneaky, really good season. There's a difference between a sneaky. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dallas Goddard, nobody's talking about it because Zach Ertz. You go look at where Goddard's finished top four to top six tight ends in the league this year. For a number two tight end, that's sneaky, really good. That should give you all the hope in the world. You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. You know it would have to take something major in the world of college football to knock Marshawn Lynch and the jersey sales and all the merch spiking off of a top trend on Twitter. And it's Clay Helton, of all people. I guess that's kind of believable, that it would take the disastrous situation of Clay Helton and USC to knock off Marshawn Lynch as a top trend in the U.S. But here we are, the return of Beast Mode out to Seattle and a gigantic, oh, by the way, a pretty big football game to end the season. Michael Sean Dugar covers the squad at Mike Dugar on Twitter. Seahawks for the Athletics, Seattle at the Athletic SEA, and of course, theathletic.com is where you can read, Michael. And as always, my friend, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio, appreciate you, appreciate your time, and I'll spare you the obvious question about reaction and everything like that. Beast mode, how much are we going to see Marshawn Lynch on Sunday against the Niners? You know, to be honest, I think a lot of people here, they're not even worried about how much they see Marshawn Lynch. It's just the fact that they get to see him. <laughs> uh, you know, we have. I was actually at Marshawn's last game in the NFL, and it was actually in London uh, in week six in 2018. And just the, just watching him run is just a pleasure, no matter how often you see it. Because I think to put, like, a snap count on it or, or a carry count is to do it in injustice, you know, it's, Marshawn's never been about the volume. It's always been about the impact. Mm. You know, it's always been about him running through people's face. So if he runs through people's face on Sunday, it doesn't matter how often he does it. It really matters how impactful those runs are. Does he get in the end zone? Does he get a lot of first downs? Does he help Seattle get those short yardage uh, runs? Like, that's going to be what's most important in this game. I mean, obviously, like, seeing him would be important, too. Like I mentioned, you know, sure. when he runs out of the tunnel, there might be an earthquake that, you know, submerges Central League Field in a pound of gravel. <laughs> Uh, but, like, in terms of what he does on the field, it's all going to be about how impactful he is running through people's face. So, to that point about running through people and people's face, how much of conditioning in shape, how much of that is going to factor into this? And I don't know. I, I just looked at him from the outside, and I don't mean this as a negative. I mean it as a total positive because I think we've all played ball, be it football, high school, college, however fortunate people are to where there was that one dude who just didn't need to. You know, I don't need to run the sprints. I don't need to lift. I don't need to – and would show up and be better 
than 90, if not 100% of the people. And again, I'm not saying Marshawn Lynch didn't practice, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just saying in this particular case, I wonder, does he need to be in tip-top shape to just show up on the field and run through people? You know, I'm glad you made that, like, high school, college analogy because Marshawn, when I watched him at practice today, he definitely reminded me of Booby Miles, the character from the movie Friday Night Lights yeah. for the Permian Panthers. Uh, you know, I think there's a guy on the team who asked Booby, played by uh, Derek Luke, asked him, Booby, you know, you didn't lift. He's like, baby, I don't got to lift, man. This is God-given. You know, that's kind of what Marshawn is for the Seahawks. You know, like, sure, he needs to practice. Sure, he needs to lift. But does he really? You know, because he's Marshawn Lynch. The thing that he does need, though, and I thought this was really interesting about his training, is that the trainer he had in San Francisco for the past couple weeks made sure to, like, beat up Marshawn, like hit him in the stomach, hit him in the, you know, the ribs, like really give him a physical pounding. Hmm. Because if you're going to get ready, it's not even about conditioning for him. It's it's about can you withstand dudes going at your knees and your groin and your, and your abdomen and your muscles. Can your, can your muscles sustain that type of pounding you're going to get? Like, can they respond from that? That's more important than the conditioning, you know, because football shape you can't really simulate, and not necessarily can you simulate, you know, getting hit in a football game because it's, it's often likened to a car crash, right? So unless sure. you're willing to be a crash dummy for some car company, you can't really simulate it. But the fact that he knew, his trainer knew, like, hey, man, we're going to have to hit you in the ribs like every day <laughs> to get you ready. <laughs> for what the Seahawks are going to give you. That, I thought, was, was really important. I think that'll be key, too, because every kid, when, when Marshawn touches the ball on Sunday, the play doesn't end until he's on the ground, right? And it's going to take a lot of dudes to get him there. So he has to be ready to take that physical beating. All right, let's look at the team itself outside of Marshawn Lynch. We know that's the reason why he's there. Uh, Turbin's there as well. How, what's the status? What's the injury status that we should know about the Seahawks coming into this game against the Niners? You know, there's two big things here is, uh, you know, obviously the Seahawks don't have their starting left tackle on Dwayne Brown. You know, he's he just had uh, knee surgery, I believe, on Monday. Uh, so he's going to be out this week, at least next week. And if they make a divisional round, uh, he should be back for that. But that's huge, man, because, I mean, Chandler Jones now leads the NFL in sacks after playing the Seahawks <laughs> on week 16. He has 19 sacks after, you know, racking up four you know, on, on last Sunday. So that's, that's a big deal. And obviously, Jamarco Jones, the backup there, he will be making only his second ever start at left wow. tackle in the NFL going up against Nick Bosa. Now, that's his former college teammate at Ohio State, so there's some familiarity there. Uh, but there's a reason that Nick was one of the highest picks in the draft this year, and Jamarco was like in the fifth round in 2018. So that's, that's really big on the injury front for Seattle. The second thing is Seattle doesn't have its, you know, its starting free safety, Quandre Diggs who uh, picked off uh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, last time they played the Niners. So he'll, he'll be a big deal. He's a veteran, you know, free safety, and the free safety they'll replace him with is Lane Hill, a third-year guy who I believe will be making his fifth or sixth start, like, ever at free safety, a guy that he was drafted out of Michigan, I think, in the late third round to be a strong safety. So uh, in terms of the injuries, those are the two big ones. Otherwise, they're, they're in pretty good shape. Their, whole, their O-line otherwise is good. They got Jadavian Clowney back, who was the best player on the field uh, last time. Shaquille Griffin, the number one corner, is returning. So like, the two big ones are Dwayne and Quandre. Like, that's where they'll be, you know, like those dudes had a big impact. Nick Bosa didn't do anything in the first game, and Quandre Dix had an interception in the last game. Like, those two guys were really impactful for the Seahawks. So to not have them is a real big blow to that team. 
Michael Sean Dugar joining us at Mike Dugar on Twitter. Seahawks for the Athletic Seattle at the Athletic SEA on Twitter as well. Eight's on Shed or SB Nation Radio. Before we get to the game, the whole revenge factor and just beating the San Francisco 49ers, Mike, I am curious about Russell Wilson. What's changed? You and I have had a conversation or two throughout the season, and one of the first combos we had was kind of, what, in the middle of a year where Russell was still being talked about as the MVP. Now, I know when you're as good as Lamar Jackson is, he himself has distanced from the pack, but what's the conversation like? Like, how much has Russell Wilson's play changed in just the realm of the Seahawks outside of Lamar Jackson doing his own to distance himself from the rest of the pack? The thing about Russell and his MVP races is when you think about it, look at the last two MVPs that they're going to have. Now, ask yourself if you think those dudes are legitimately better than Russell Wilson. Like, did they have a better season in their respective years? Or are they better? You know, like, is Patrick Mahomes better than – I got I got Kansas City fans screaming at me last year when I did Kansas City radio (laughs) before their game in week 16 when I was like, oh, Patrick's having a good year, but he's not better than Russell Wilson. It's going crazy at me. And I could say the same thing to Baltimore fans like right right now is, like, is Lamar better? Did he have a better year? You know, and, like, it sounds crazy, but the comparison I draw to is 2015 Cam Newton and 2016 Matt Ryan, two MVP guys who had better years than Russell – but are they better than Russell? Like, even Atlanta fans and Carolina fans could probably admit that. Shoot, Carolina fans ready to crown Kyle Allen king of the uh, Oh, my the goodness. State. <laughs> right, right. Uh, like, in week, like, eight, you yep. know, until the Niners just humbled him. So, I think that the thing is, this, this is just kind of how Russell's career is going to go. You know, this is – I think Drew Brees has had a similar career. Um, Aaron Rodgers, not as much. I think his market is a, is a big deal there. Russell's going to have a lot of years, but he's really, 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 really good and still not as an all-pro quarterback. Like, he's yeah, made the yeah. Pro Bowl, like, six times, sure. you know, out of, like, eight years, which <laughs> it makes you on pace to probably be, like, a Hall of Famer. Uh, but when you don't have any all-pros or any MVPs to your name, you know, you're the type of guy who probably doesn't make, like, the NFL 100 list, you know. Um, but I, I, will, I will say that, like, Russell's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best one, in football, and his numbers bear that out this year too. He's he slowed down the back half of the season, which which is kind of to be you know expected because he was just on fire. Like right? he was at like twenty three picks, one or twenty three touchdowns, one interception. That was never going to be a sustainable pace. Uh, so he just hasn't been able to put together that whole like earth shattering year that puts together the MVP. But he's still one of the best two or three quarterbacks in the league, and that's been the case for a little bit too. Just like every year, it seems that there's some video game like guy that comes to steals the MVP award. There's really no shame in that, to be honest. No, not at all. Not at all. And, and you're right, as far as the body of the work, and especially as far as consistency is concerned, when you know, just get them into the postseason. You know, it doesn't matter if you're one through six. If you're in the postseason with Russell Wilson, I would imagine that everybody in Seattle thinks, all right, we got a shot. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say this, to be honest, so I grew up in Seattle, right? So I've only been covering them for three years, but I've been following the team sure. for forever. So in, in past years, like let's say 2013, 2014, people say, hey, you know, the Seahawks have a shot in any game because they have Russell Wilson. I mean, part of that was true, right? But it's like part of, mostly it was because they had a Legion of Boom, right? They had the best secondary, you could argue, of all time. You know, that's why they had a shot in most games because even if the offense wasn't bringing it, 
the defense would keep them in games. So look at the two NFC title games they won to get to the Super Bowl. The offense pooped itself, and the defense was able to make the biggest plays of the game. Right. You know, or in the in the case of the 2014 NFC title game, they were able to hold Green Bay to 16 points for like three quarters to make sure the offense, you know, could you know stay in the game within two possessions. Meanwhile, putting up a goose egg, you know, and that's hard to do when you're playing Aaron Rodgers in in, in January. So like now though. Sure. Now it's true that this team, when it has Russ on the field, can beat anyone at any time, no matter the, the deficit. You know, it's not about just the defense. It's about the fact that Russ can make any throw against any team, against any coverage, with any receiver uh, as well. And that was partly true in years past, but it's, like, really true in, like, 2019. All right, 30 seconds. I know you got to get going, man, so I always appreciate your time. Michael Sean Dugar joining us at Mike Dugar on Twitter. Who wins? Simple question. Biggest game of the weekend, right, for that division. Who takes it? Okay, so the version of Mike that wants to not have to travel to Philly and sit in the back of a plane for five You know I got hours? you when you come to Philly, though, right? Like, I'll take care of you and everything. You could go eat, stay, wherever you want. I got you, man. This is my city. Oh, man, it's the, it's the five-hour flight. That's the problem. But, you, you know, you're right. Um, I don't want to have to do that. Uh, I really I like them to win so I can stay home and they host Minnesota. But I think San Francisco is going to squeak this one out, probably something like 28 to 25, uh, and win this game. And they're going to have to go to Philly or Dallas next, next Saturday or Sunday in the wild card round. Very fair. And, and you would not be the first journalist to selfishly put your own needs ahead of the team. So I respect <laughs> that, man. Respect you and your, and your opinions and your time as always. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Michael Sean Dugar, at Mike Dugar on Twitter. I've never been in that position. I've only done it as far as covering the Eagles when they were home. So I would do it for radio stations where I'd be down there, but those are only the home games. So I'd get local games, eight games, and then I'd get the playoff if they were lucky. A couple of times they did. But I've never been on the road. And I'll say this. I, I think it's very difficult because the fan is like, oh, well, come on. I'm, go- I'm paying. I'm paying to go versus you getting paid to go. But you have to look at it, and I'm, and clearly, you know, Michael grew up in Seattle. He's a Seahawks fan and all that. But I, I don't know. If you had to travel nine hours in a flight versus watching your team at home, wouldn't a fan want the same as well? Take the economics out of it. Because it's not the economics, it's the logistics. And maybe I have it wrong. But I would guess that I don't care who you root for. I don't care where you are. That if you have a chance to stay at home, to go from your couch to the stadium, which might be, I don't know, all of 6 to 16 miles versus going 16 miles to the airport, leaving a car there, long-term parking. Look, if you're anywhere where I am, from Philadelphia, Newark, or North, long-term parking, you're pretty much running a roulette wheel at that point if anything's even left. And you're going out, and here he is. And I don't believe him. Philadelphia? What the hell am I wanting in Philadelphia? I have to fly to Philadelphia, watch this team, what, maybe lose to the Eagles and listen to these loud mouth, malcontent people just yell and scream even though their team's winning? I can't blame Mike there. We'll wrap the show next. Destiny Nation Radio.
Dealing with the root of the issues. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So we did get an update on the Twitch channel, Maze at Aton. Appreciate you following along there on Twitter as well, at Shander Show. Cricket just had the World Cup. They usually go five days, one day, eight hours. So these matches are five days long, and one day equals eight hours, total of 20 in four hours, or a total of 20 for four hours. What? Oh, my goodness. So this thing's going to take forever. Washington State scores 9.59 left. Air Force up 24-21, and Washington State plus two, plus two and a half, depending on where you got it in a close, still in play here, by all means. I don't know if they're going to stop anybody, but at least we know they're going to continue to throw the football. The days of Washington State running in this game are over. Fourth and short, an inch, they're going to throw the football. Great job, Andrew. Enjoy your vacation, man. Appreciate it, my man. All right, I'm back tomorrow or today, depending on where you are around the country. Six to nine Eastern at night. We'll get into a lot in the NFL and react to the Bulls right here on Espionation Radio. Appreciate you following along at Shander Show, Aton Shander, Espionation Radio. Hey!